0: Gospel of Repentance Ministries again. Brother Dale, uh, coming at you on this Monday, April the 29th. God bless you for tuning in. Remember the thing, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Praise God once again for the opportunity to share with you for a few moments God's word. I want to share something with you that happened with me at uh, my church yesterday. As a matter of fact, after the first service, uh, we have a prayer room at my church for anybody that needs prayer for whatever it is that they are needing help with. And we had men that were not available to go in the prayer room to meet with the men because the the women pray with the women, and the men pray with the men, so that everything is above board and appropriate. So, I was asked to go in and to pray with one of the uh, uh, the men that was in the prayer room. Okay, so I met this gentleman. I will keep his name anonymous, and he suffered from a cerebral palsy. His legs were or uh, small and uh, they were weak and he had a hard time walking he could walk but he had a difficult time walking at any rate as I was engaging him in conversation he uh, made it known to me that he was angry with God and I asked him why was he angry with God and he said because God hasn't healed him and he felt that God was, now listen to this he felt that God was obligated to heal him because God has all power right and so from a human perspective just from a a basic human perspective I can understand where he's coming from alright and I think those of you who listen can relate as well why he was frustrated and why he felt that way because he's a 40 year old man and he has suffered from this this disability and this pain his entire life. I don't know anything about cerebral palsy to be honest with you, so I don't know what causes it or if there is a cure for it. I'm not going to even pretend to act like I know. I don't. But the area where this uh, this gentleman was wrong was in the area of him being mad at God because it's not God's fault. And so, what I attempted to do as as tenderly and as lovingly but as also as truthfully as I could is tell them where he kind of tell him where he went off the rails and and he also admitted to me that he hadn't spent much time in God's word lately he hadn't been reading God's word so that was another thing that he needed to repent from and when I suggested to him that he needs to reestablish his relationship with God because he's cut himself off he he didn't take that, he didn't take that uh, suggestion very well And so we went back and forth in conversation And he, I, I explained to him that, that God's ways are above our ways and, and I was willing and ready to pray for him But before I could get to the point of prayer I mean, we are, <laughs> our conversation unfortunately degenerated And he, he walked out the room and so I wasn't able to pray for him, at least face to face, like I wanted to. But I wanted to talk about this, this whole subject of getting mad with God. Is it, is it right for us as human beings to get angry with God when we don't get our way, when we don't get what we believe we deserve? Another one of the things that he said that I know a lot of people say, is that you know he's in the church on a regular basis. I don't know what he means by regular basis. I don't know if that's once a month or every other month or or what what his regularity is in his mind, but because he's in church and and other people are not, he doesn't seem he doesn't look at it as being fair that those that are outside of the church living any kind of way they want to are seemingly getting everything that they want. And desire and he's in the church and he's suffering and he's having a, a hard way to go. And so that is that, that was another thing that obviously ticked him off that, that bothered him, that annoyed him. And so from his point of view, from his from his point of reference, he feels that he should have a better, I guess a better lot in life. Things should not be as hard as they are for him because of the fact that he's in the church now understand this i don't know for absolutely sure if he's a christian or not i did ask him i did ask him if he knew for sure if jesus christ was his savior and lord and by his conversation in the short time that i had available to speak with them there was not is not it was not a strong indication to me but i don't know that for sure because i can't read hearts None of us can. Only God can do that, right? So, back to my original question. Is it right for us to get mad at God? Is it right for us to be angry with God because things are not going the way in our lives that we wish for them to go? And the answer to that question is no. We do not have a right to get mad at God. We have a right to get angry, maybe with our situation, but God is not our problem. He is our solution. And if you're going to shake your fist and curse the one who's able to deliver you then you you really have no hope you're fighting against the wrong person God is not our enemy he is our friend if we're in Christ so as much as I wanted to pray with this gentleman I, I, I also felt that it was my obligation to tell him the truth and where I believe based on his conversation with me How he went off the rails And like I said he, he, he admitted to me that he has an anger problem And probably he's bitter over the way His life has turned out And a lot of people are like that And they shake their fist at God And they curse God And they blaspheme God Because of the misfortunes that are in their life I think we all have a right to be angry I mean God has given us the emotion of anger But most of the time when we utilize that emotion It's misplaced It's done in the wrong way so what I want to do in a few minutes that I have remaining with you is I want to go over some passages of scripture that I think will help those of you who are listening regarding receiving from God. Is God obligated, number one, to give us everything that we ask for? Is he obligated to do that? Do we serve God or does God serve us? I mean, that that's another way of, of putting uh, the question, do we serve God or is God here to serve us and to meet our every need and to fulfill our every desire? Does God have to heal everybody? That's a that's a that's a very, very important question to answer. Does God heal everyone? And I'm going to read some passages of scripture that relate to. To that, And I also want to relate to the the anger issue So what I want to do is start off with the matter of the anger issue with God And to do that I want to go over to the book of Jonah That's an Old Testament book And Jonah was commanded by God to go preach to a nation or city called Nineveh Now Nineveh is an ancient city that was in the country of Assyria and Nineveh, according to the Bible, was built by a man by the name of Nimrod he only appears early on in the Bible narrative in the book of Genesis as a matter of fact and they were a very great city but a very wicked one at the same time and when God commanded Jonah to go and preach to them what he did, he did not want to because they were wicked and and I'll read to you why, in particular, he didn't want to go. So, what he decided to do instead of traveling east, he decided he wanted to travel west. So, he was going to go to a place called Tarshish which is believed to be modern-day Spain. So, he got into a into a boat on the uh, seaport of Joppa, and I think uh, at the Mediterranean coast. And he decided he wanted to go west. But what happened is that the boat that he got on got into a very ba- very bad um, sea storm and what ended up happening is he got thrown overboard you know the story he got swallowed by a great fish uh, the fish belched him out on on land once he, once he repented of his sin and then God told him a second time to go to Nineveh and the second time Jonah did go so Jonah had one message to preach and it was this the message that he was to preach was this yet in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed and he preached that message and when he preached that message everybody from the king of Nineveh all the way down to the animals uh, humbled themselves the king took off his royal garments uh, put on sackcloth and ashes which was an Old Testament or rather an ancient way of showing grief and humility and when they humbled themselves from the king all the way down to the to the animals, humbled themselves before God and asked God for mercy to spare them. God looked upon their humility, looked upon their genuine repentance and he did not do what he had planned to do to them. And so when that happened, Jonah was upset because see, Jonah hated the Ninevites. The same mercy that God had given to Jonah when he was in the in the um, belly of the great fish When God spared his life He didn't want that same mercy to be extended To the Ninevites So he became angry with God And God asked him "You know, Do you do well to be angry In other words do you have a right to be angry And in particular Of course Jonah was angry with God Because God showed mercy to his enemies And Jonah said Yeah I have a right to be angry He says the reason why I didn't want to go to this place Because I knew you were loving Loving and kind and tender hearted and full of mercy <laughs> isn't that a shame the same mercy that Jonah didn't deserve but did receive he didn't want God to give that to his enemies, but that's the nature of God that's the kindness of God because God loved these people even though they were they were fiercely wicked so I brought that that matter up because. Jonah had to be rebuked for being mad at God For showing mercy God got ripped by Jonah In his attitude because God was merciful God was being who he was And Jonah got upset by it Because he hated the Ninevites He hated these people because they were They were bitter enemies of the of the Israelites Okay So Jonah felt he had a right to be angry Because God asked him God asked him on a couple of occasions As matter of fact I'll read In the beginning of chapter 4 It says But it greatly displeased Jonah And he became angry And what greatly displeased him Is because God decided not to destroy The city of Nineveh That's what upset Jonah And to get a flow of the whole narrative Read the entire book of Jonah Which is only four chapters long It, it will take you a few minutes to read it And you'll get the whole flow he prayed to the Lord and said please Lord was not this what I said while I was still in my own country therefore in order to forestall this I fled to Tarshish like I mentioned to you for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity verse 3 therefore now O Lord please take my life from me listen to this he is so mad that he'd rather be dead than to see the, uh, the salvation of the Ninevites he'd rather die He says, Lord, please take my life from me for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. He was still waiting for God to destroy the city. And so the Lord God appointed a plant and grew up up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant but God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered when the sun came up God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die this is ridiculous saying death is better to me than life then God said to Jonah do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant and he said I have good reason to be angry even to death then the Lord said you have compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow which came up overnight and perished overnight should I not have compassion on Nineveh the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and left as well as many animals so Jonah had more compassion for a plant that he did not work to cause to grow than he had for over 120,000 children it's been reported that there may have been as many as 600,000 people in that great city. The 120,000 when it says they do not know their right hand from their left scholars say makes reference to small children. So there could have been at least half a million people there. And Jonah had more compassion about a silly plant than he had about human beings. So we do not have a right to be angry with God. God knows all. We don't know that much. And when we are angry with God, we're out of line. Even though we may not understand what's going on in our lives, that is the opportunity to, be, um, to trust God, to, in a sense, put God to the test. Says, okay, Lord, um, this is my situation. I'm going to trust you no matter what to, uh, to deliver me. But if you don't deliver me, I'm still going to trust you. A hard thing to do. I understand that. I get that. But that is what God is calling for if we're going to be his children. And if, he, and if he's going to be our Lord, that means we have to put our life in his hands. Okay? So, obviously, I didn't get to share all of that information with the gentleman that I tried to counsel and pray with yesterday. But he, in his mind, felt he had a right to be angry. But he actually did not have a right to be angry. He just didn't know that. But because he was spiritually insensitive, and spiritually dull at that at this point in his life, he he wasn't really up to hearing any sound wisdom or instruction from the word of God. So, let me go to another um, passage of scripture. We're going to go to we're going to go to John's Gospel. Okay, we're going to go to the fifth chapter, John's Gospel, the fifth chapter. I want to go there, and I want to show you something there regarding does God heal everyone, and so. Let's go there. John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, After these things there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticles. And these lay a multitude, listen to this, a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then, first after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus was, saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no... Man to put me into the pool And when the water stirred up But while I am coming Another steps down before me Jesus said to him Get up Pick up your pallet And walk Immediately the man Became well And picked up his pallet And began to walk Now it was the Sabbath On that day So the Jews were saying To the man who was cured It is the Sabbath And it is not permissible For you to carry your pallet And I'm going to stop right there So I read John chapter 5 Verses 1 2 eight. All right. Now, let's go back let's go back a second and it said here in verse three it says in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. And it said there was a uh, there was a multitude of those who were in that condition. Now, why didn't Jesus heal all of them? All of them all of them had a need. There were like I said there were blind people, there were lame people, in other words people that couldn't see, people that couldn't walk people that were ill probably had all types of um, organic diseases and he only healed one man He healed a man that was um, that was paralyzed a paralytic why didn't he heal the rest of them was he obligated to heal that one man the answer to that question is no so if he wasn't obligated to heal that one man certainly he wasn't obligated to heal the rest of them but why did he heal one man and the answer to that question Some would say well I don't know But I believe the answer is that It's, it's sovereign election And what, he, what sovereign election Simply means is that God Has absolute rule And that means he does whatever he wants to do So it was God's will It was Jesus' will to heal that man But apparently it wasn't his will to heal the rest Was he wrong? Do, do those who were not healed Do they have a right to be angry? Do they have the right to be mad at God? No. They may think that they do, but they don't. Because anything that God does for us is is sheer is, is pure grace, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's pure mercy. God does not have to do good to us because we're evil by nature. And and understand when I say that is that doesn't mean that you're doing evil every moment of the day, but our nature is evil. And so anything that God does for us the fact that you're breathing, you're inhaling and exhaling and everything, that is an act of God's mercy. If God decides to cut that off, you'll start breathing. You'll die. So our the breath that's in our lungs is an act of mercy. The fact that we're in our right mind and we're not going crazy and cuckoo is an act of mercy. God is sustaining and holding everything together that is in our body. You follow me? So that is sovereign election once again God is not obligated to heal unlike the gentleman that I spoke with yesterday who felt that he had a right to be healed and in his mind he felt probably very very much justified in thinking that way but that's wrong thinking because he does not God does not um, heal on demand God is not obligated to do what we tell him to do I mean and once again who's serving who here Are we serving God, or is God serving us? Okay? Let me go to one more passage of Scripture. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, alright? And this is dealing with the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, alright? right, And so, I want to start reading at... Verse seven, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven. It says, "Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to me, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself." Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and He said to me, "Listen to this: My grace is sufficient for you." For power is perfected in weakness. This is Paul speaking once again. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, and persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I just read Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Now, in Paul's case, he was receiving an an abundance of revelations so, so that he would not get puffed up so that he would not get arrogant or conceited. It says that it was given to him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him to keep so that he wouldn't exalt himself. So, and listen, remember, and it says here that Paul asked three times that this thing might leave it. This torment that obviously was giving him pain and, the Lord said to him my grace is sufficient for you in other words I'm not going to remove it but my grace will, will give you the strength to endure it and so Paul settled in his mind and in his heart that okay this is the way that it's going to be I mean obviously he didn't like it he didn't want it to be there but then he resolved in his heart and his mind that most gladly therefore I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of God power of Christ may dwell in me And so, he didn't want the power of God to leave him. So, he had to accept one with the other. So, with the abundance of revelations that he's receiving, he was also given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him, to buffet him. Even though he wanted it gone because it was painful, he recognized, okay, if I want the power of God to rest upon me, then I have to deal with this thorn in the flesh. And so, there are times when God has deemed it appropriate not to remove an affliction or pain. And in Paul's case, now this is an isolated case, this is the thorn or the you know the, the thing that Paul had to deal with because of the abundance of revelations. I mean, to keep him humble, otherwise he would have been exalted above measure. So to keep him humble and to keep him low, to keep him even killed, a messenger of satan was sent to torment him so that every any time that he might feel that he's that you know that he's getting conceited he would get buffeted he would get tormented and then it would be a reminder okay i want the power of god to remain on me i want the power of god to stay with me so at the same time he's got to deal with this torment and and then when he got the revelation from god that That God's grace, God's power is sufficient for him and it makes him perfected in his weakness. He rejoiced. Now, Paul was a very obviously one of the pinnacles of the church, one of the foundations of the church. And he was very mature in his faith. So not everybody's going to think like this. Hence, why these these words are recorded in Scripture so that we can learn from them and that we can aspire to be that way in our Christian walk, that we can become come mature and recognize that everything that we go through in this life is not going to be all good. You follow me? Not everything is going to work out the way that we plan it to work out. And in this case, I can hear, in a sense, Paul saying, Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Just like Jesus did. When he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, when he wanted the cup, the bitter cup that he was going to have to drink, to be removed from him, so he, I mean, because humanly, because humanly speaking, he didn't want to go through that because he knew the ramifications of having to be made sin for the world, that he that he was going to have to be forsaken by his father, and that God was going to have to turn his back on him because of the fact that he was going to be made sin. That tormented the Lord Jesus Christ to the point where the Bible says in Luke's gospel that his sweat became like great drops of blood You know, it was he was so distressed the stress of him having to go to the cross the way he had to go to the cross almost killed him alright so God in his sovereignty once again does not have to heal us if he doesn't choose to and there maybe re- there's a reason why he'd he doesn't always do that but the thing that we wrestle with and that we have a problem with is that sometimes God decides not to let us know the reason why he doesn't do what he does in this case he did with Paul but if you read the, the account of Job Job never knew why he went through all the pain that he went through God never answered his question God simply had to come to him in the last five chapters of the book in the form of a whirlwind and rebuke him and then once God got through spanking Job Job said you know I'm, I'm vile I'm a cover of my mouth I repent in dust and ashes in other words I'm a fool and so being angry with God is the the worst thing that a person can do being angry is one thing but being angry with God the one who can, who can be your deliverer is not the one you want to be angry with because God does everything well and perfect and sometimes it is in his will for us to suffer Jesus himself promised that when he was talking to the disciples prior to his departure, he says, in this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. So troubles are going to come to the child of God. Difficulties, problems, setbacks, uh, pain, disappointment. It's all part of the cup that we have to drink. It's not always going to be easy. Matter of fact, I think it's rarely easy. God never promised ease in this walk. He promised difficulty, promised pain, but He also promised that—I mean—that we're going to have an ultimate hope that we're going to overcome because He overcame. All right. So, for those of you who are struggling right now, for those of you who may be angry with God, you got to repent. You got to get rid of that anger. You got to go to God and ask Him to forgive you of your sin. You know, prop yourself back up. If you're out of the will of God, get back in the will of God. Get into the Word of God. Get into prayer. Get some counseling. You know, um, man up, woman up. If you're if you're out of the will of God and you're angry with Him because things are going bad in your life, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's frustrating, and we want the pain to be over with because it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, like it's not getting better. But God has set you up for such a time as this He, Remember what the Bible says It says there is no temptation That um, has overtaken you That is not common to man But God with the temptation Will give you a way of escape That you may be able to To bear it I, can, I, I, I paraphrase it So what I want to do to treat it with justice I think I, I need to read it the right way It says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you will be able to endure it. Doesn't mean God is going to take away the trial. This means he's going to give you a way out so you can endure the trial. Amen. So hang on in there. Don't give up. Don't give up on God because he's not giving up on you. And continue to trust him and just continue to rely upon him and just continue to loving and to learn what it is you need to learn in the trial that you're currently going through. All right. Brother Dell of Gospel of Repentance Ministries. God bless you for listening. Until next time.